Hey, welcome to Barreled in Truth Podcast. My name is Devin. And my name is Satorio. And here on Barreled in Truth, we're going to be talking about all things in life with a biblical reformed perspective while we drink a glass of bourbon and smoke a cigar. Yo, what's going on, guys? Thank y'all so much for tuning in to Barreled in Truth today. Coming and hanging out with us. We appreciate you guys. We couldn't do it without you. Um, we're super excited to be recording the episode, like always. Um, you got me, Chris, Shatorio, we got Michael behind the camera, man. Um, we're excited, man. Excited. Um, as always, I am currently smoking on, this is a new stick for me, a Flores um, Seri Pravada Maduro. It's pretty good. I like it. I enjoy it. Um, and I am sipping on some Eagle Rare. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm not. I didn't pour that. I poured the barrel bourbon, courtesy of Chris. Fire, by the way. I've been excited to try that one, so I'm glad he brought it over. Yeah. What about you, Chris? What you got? Uh, smoking a Cohiba Black. And, fancy. Um, <laughs> fancy. And uh, I'm actually drinking your Eagle Rare, so we swapped out tonight. So Big facts. Yeah. Yep. And I am smoking on a Foundation Tabernacle. A massive Foundation mm-hmm. Tabernacle. Massive. A big boy. And I am also drinking the Barrel Bourbon, courtesy of Bishop. I believe it's a store pick, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and it is yeah. really good. Chef's kiss. Oh, yeah. It's super good, man. I enjoy it. <clears throat> um. I'm really excited about the episode that we're recording today. Uh, we actually had some technical difficulties. We recorded this episode once already, but unfortunately, none of the audio got recorded. So, and Chris wasn't here. So, yeah, and Chris wasn't here. So, yeah. I mean, just have to stay home. God that is was, sovereign. That's so. completely God is sovereign. Jess's fault. But Clearly, yeah, God, God knew you had some stuff that <laughs> right. people needed to hear, <laughs> oh, and maybe that we needed to hear. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, facts. Um, but today's episode is going to be on Sola Fide. Uh, we are currently in a series right now going through all the uh, five solas. Uh, did Sola Scriptura last week. It actually dropped this week on Tuesday. Yep. Um, or it would be last week when this episode comes out. Yep. And this week we are going to be talking about Sola Fide, <clears throat> which is faith alone. Um, su- stupid excited to be able to, to talk about this topic. And there's a lot to unpack here, a lot to talk about. So... I kind of want to start off a little bit just by, you know, a couple things. Um, so this this sola fide is this specific doctrine is what makes true Christianity distinct from every other religion. <clears throat> and I kind of want to go through just just for a second and kind of talk about the new pr- perspective of Paul, because that's the thing that's kind of been going around. Um, and I kind of want to talk about what that is. N.T. Wright had a thing that he that he wrote about and stuff like that, and they call him kind of spearheading this whole thing. So um, the new perspective of Paul, or some people translate it to NPP, um, it's a belief denying the doctrine of justification by faith. So according to proponents of this unbiblical teaching, when Paul wrote about justification, he was not speaking of personal and individual justification, whereby a guilty sinner is declared righteous on the basis of his faith in Christ and Christ's righteousness being imputed to the sinner. Instead, they claim when Paul wrote about justification, he was speaking of how one could tell if a person was a member of the covenant family. According, yeah, <clears throat> according to N.T. Wright, mm-hmm. justification is the first in the first century was not about how someone might establish a relationship with God. It was about God's eschatological definition, both future and present, of who was in fact a member of his people. The problem with this tenet of the new perspective on Paul is that it distorts the biblical teaching on justification by faith and instead teaches 
that Paul's doctrine of justification was only concerned with the Gentiles standing in the covenant community and not at all about a guilty sinner being declared just before a holy and righteous God. And I, I love what John MacArthur says about this. He says, and we say that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how he starts off his commentary talking about the new perspective of Paul. Mm-hmm. We say that's nonsense. Yeah, it is. I mean, N.T. Wright, you know, he spearheaded that movement. And, you know, so N.T. Wright has gone on in, in his books and on record multiple times saying that he does not hold to the substitutionary atonement. Mm-hmm. Which is, why would you not? It's mm-hmm. so clear in scripture. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you have to do some hermeneutical acrobat mm-hmm. to come to that conclusion. Yeah, and John MacArthur, he in his commentaries, he, he says that no doctrine is more important to evangelical theology than the doctrine of, just, doctrine of justification by faith alone, the Reformation principle of sola fide, that Martin Luther rightly said that the church stands or falls on this one doctrine. Right, but and and again, how when he's talking about being in covenant with God, whether it be speaking presently and eschatologically, that doesn't happen without justification. Right, like you, you're not in covenant with God right. outside of faith in His Son Jesus Christ. I think that's the whole testimony of Scripture. I mean, right. you know, Agreed. <clears throat> when just simply reading through Galatians, you know, Paul talks about. Abraham himself being justified by faith. Well, was that faith in Christ? Yes. Right. <laughs> because 100%. Jesus himself talked about that, um, <clears throat> where he talked about uh, Abraham longing to see his day. Um, he saw it and rejoiced. They tried to kill him for those statements about mm-hmm. Abraham. And and Paul <clears throat> making it clear to a Christian congregation made up of Jews and Gentiles where he was saying that your right standing with God the Father comes through faith in Jesus Christ if you are if you have faith in Christ you are truly offspring of Abraham you are you are part of his lineage because it's not so much about ethnicity as it is faith Right. right. So he's talking to both Jews and Gentiles. And Paul would not have considered himself once he met the resurrected Jesus. He he understood prior to that conversion experience, he had no justification with God. Right. That's why he had to put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So uh, I would agree with MacArthur. I think sometimes N.T. Wright just too smart for his own good sometimes. And people just find new ways to try to explain things and they start playing semantics and just they just end up way out in left field. Yeah. Right. We, we don't have to find new ways to talk about timeless truth. Right. Yeah, for sure. That were never meant to be complex in application and understanding. Hmm. I don't think that was that Paul had a pastor's heart and. He wanted his people to understand these great truths clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, in the uh, 1689 Second London Baptist Confession, chapter 11, paragraph 1, it says, Those whom God effectually calls, he also freely justifies. Mm-hmm. 
one, not by infusing righteousness into them, but by pardoning their sins and by accounting and accepting their persons as righteous. Mm -hmm. Two, not for anything wrought in them or done by them, but for Christ's sake alone. <clears throat> not by imputing faith itself, the act of believing, or any other evangelical obedience to them as their righteousness, but by imputing Christ's act of obedience unto the whole law and passive obedience in his death for their whole and soul righteousness by faith, which faith they have not of themselves. It is the gift of God. Correct. So, yeah, right. you know, so Love in other that. words, you know, it, it's saying there, you know, even your faith that is required, God mm -hmm. gifts that to you. Yeah, that's biblical. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the 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 kind of the nail in the coffin on that is Ephesians two, and <clears throat> we can go there. We need to go there, right? If you want to pull that up, or if you want me to pull that up, but I, I don't think we do it justice unless we read verses one through ten. But uh, because Paul talks about your your spiritual condition apart from faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. Your spiritual condition, no matter who you are, whether you're Jew, Gentile, <coughs> rich, poor, black, white, Republican, Democrat, whoever you are, your spiritual condition when you're born into this world is a child of wrath. Dead. Spiritually dead. Dead in your trespasses. And, and Paul says it twice there in that passage, and he also makes, makes that clear in his writing to the church in Colossae. But, so we have to understand the monergistic view of salvation that scripture presents like scripture unpacks this in so many different ways and so when we look at the whole of of our soteriology we have to talk about faith alone because it's it's not done by works of righteousness in us or anything inherently good in us that would warrant the affection of god right right and we'll Come get on. to that yeah. and when we talk about total depravity eventually but so when you read Ephesians and you see the, the spiritual condition of a person apart from Jesus, faith can't come from me. Nope. Because if it does, and we'll get to this when we go through Soli Deo Gloria, right? if there's a part of any part of this salvation work that comes from me, there is room for boasting in me. Right. Ooh, any of a it. Whole word. Come on, bro. Any of it. Yeah. And I've had this conversation even with guys who that I that I hung out with in seminary that we were talking about earlier that would go back to their churches and proclaim this stuff. And well, you know, well, God did ninety nine percent, and you just have to do your one percent. Um, and that's just not. I mean, where are we getting that? Yeah. No. To think that he we are good enough to get one percent right. Right. I, I, don't, I don't understand that mentality, like, <laughs> and it's and I'm going to get to that because I got some meat receipts book, but, um, right. that that we'll get to. But we do hold to the the monergistic view of salvation because I think the scripture is just clear on that. When Christian. people start trying to play word games <clears throat> with the original Greek there in Ephesians two, um, there I feel like they're pressing into um, the picture of salvation. A, a humanistic view right? that yeah. allows for us to try to convince sinners that salvation is in their hands rather than it being in accordance to God's purpose to save us 
from eternity in his son Jesus. Yeah, I mean, if you get if you get your anthropology wrong, then you'll get your soteriology wrong. Yes, right. yes, and so so yeah. Let's let's just chew on Ephesians two for a little bit. Yeah, I'll read it. Yeah. Ephesians chapter two, uh, verse one. I mean, just the first four words, and you were dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you need more than that? Mm-hmm. If we're talking we're about dead. being justified, mm-hmm. you were dead. So, but a dead person can raise his hand and ask the doctor mm-hmm. to bring him back to life, right? Right. No, right. So I just raise my hand and, and uh-huh. say, revive me because I, I, I'm putting my faith and trust in you to revive me and give me life. That right. makes a lot of sense, right? <laughs> I wasn't drowning in my sin. That's not what the scripture says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you know, we growing up in the South, you hear that analogy yeah. of, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're drowning in your sin and drowning. God threw you a life preserver in his name. You got to grab Jesus. it. You don't need yeah. a life preserver. You need a life giver. Right. You're not drowning in your sin. You're at the bottom of the ocean. Dead. Dead, dead means dead. Literally. Dead means dead. Okay. So yep, you so. were dead. In your trespasses and sins, mm-hmm. in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Okay, so Paul included himself in that statement, right? Right. Yes. Our. So even though he was a self-righteous, sanctimonious, religious Jew, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews, zealous for the law blameless right once he met jesus and understood that he needed faith in christ for justification before right. a holy god the god that he thought he had boxed in and figured out mm-hmm. he grouped himself in that statement because he was following that's why he could tell the jewish and the gentile converts in the church in galatia you were once enslaved to the elemental principles of this world Right. It looked different, but you were still enslaved to those ways of walking, which were not walking in righteousness and true righteousness because you were not justified by God in Christ. Yeah. I mean, he says that we were children of wrath. Yeah. Like the rest of mankind. So we're not all God's children. That verse would seem to say, not say that. Yeah. We're I mean, just all the Lord's children. Yeah. That, you know, whether we're, you know. I don't think no matter God, what we believe or who we set our that's why we're called we're the a, elect, right? <laughs> I mean, if God if God would consider all people His children, then He would cease to be God, mm-hmm. because God, you know, as we see in Matt Chandler's book, uh, the Explicit Gospel, He can't even be in the presence <laughs> of sin, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, we're all image bearers, but we're not all children. Yeah, we're all <clears> made, those who are in Christ are children. We're right. all made in the Mago Day. Mm-hmm. But we are all not in Christ. Right. Correct. Um, verse four. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead. Again, He's 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 saying that again because He really wants you to understand the weight yeah. of who you are apart mm-hmm. from Christ. You're dead, dead in our. He included Himself trespasses, made us again. He includes Himself alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us, including himself again, Mm -hmm. up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches 
of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. For by grace you have been saved. You mentioned grace several times there, right? In those few, yes. those couple of sentences, grace, grace, grace. Grace, right. grace, grace. Dead, dead, dead. dead, dead, dead. <laughs> he's, he's making a point. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But, so by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. Okay. Through faith. Through faith. Not by works. Right. By works. Not by any sort of righteousness in myself because scripture tells me that I have none not by the raising of the hand right not by the the praying of a prayer not, not by coming down the altar right none of that was a work of Chris Hall yeah and we're not knocking those things but we're saying God can use them but the 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 actual act of your salvation <clears throat> is God purposing to save you period yeah he give you life. So by grace, you've been saved yep, through faith, through faith and raised us up with him, seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Um, then again, verse eight, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And it is not of your own doing. Wait a minute. <laughs> faith mm-hmm. can't come from me. Right. But I got to have my say. I got to bring my one percent to the table, God. Yeah, that don't sound like 1%. I don't think that's what Paul's saying there, right? I mean, it's, it's very clear. I hate to be, I'm not trying to be trivial, but, you know, yeah. I, I'm just, you know, it's there's the so truth. much weight and meat in what Paul is saying. And here. he's not. And this isn't the only place that he does this. In yeah, writing, he, he's not he, being complex here either. Right. This is, you can read this on a middle school, elementary level. Mm-hmm. By, not by works of us. Yeah. So that no one may boast. Correct. So the faith that it takes for me to believe in Jesus, if it comes from me, I get to boast. Uh-huh. Right? right? I can praise God for paving the way, but I I get to boast in self for choosing the way. Right. But And if you think about it, that's the way the gospel gets presented in our culture. Like, God is giving you the way, but you have to choose to follow it, right? So, yes, I choose to follow Jesus once God saves me. Yeah. yeah. But he gives me the desire to do that. Right. So regeneration precedes <clears throat> faith. Correct. Regeneration precedes justification, and justification comes through faith, but there is no justification through faith apart from regeneration. Right. And God's not going to regenerate you and leave you and your free will to choose or not choose because you— it doesn't tell us in scripture that we chose him. It tells us repeatedly that he chose us. Yeah, I mean, that's why even I'm, Jesus reminded the disciples yeah. of that. I mean, the Bible you didn't says, choose me, but I chose you out of the world. Yeah, even, even when he talks about love, he says, you are able to love because I first, I first loved you. Correct. Yep. I don't love God because I'm so spiritually awesome. Right. And I just get it. I, I'm able to love him because <sighs> of his overwhelming love for me and his affection for me. Set on his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is so good, man. So good. I love how he ends it in verse 10. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in youth ministry, we did a, we did a series on just verse 10 mm-hmm. where he says, for we are his workmanship. Mm-hmm. I want to pause right there because that word in the Greek is uh poema where we get the English word poem. Mm-hmm. So he's making this point here that we are his workmanship, that you are crafted and made by God for him. 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Right. That we should walk in them. Right. And if you and this is coming on the heels of the the great lengthy passage there in Ephesians one where he talked about God predestining us yep. for adoption. Yep. So the way that some different Christian camps want to try to explain some of these things. Again, I think rooted in somewhat of a humanistic idea of salvation is that, and I've had pastors tell me this, like literally we have these conversations where they say, well, God did choose us, but he, I believe that God looked through the corridors of time and saw who would choose him and chose them based on, their decision to choose him. That's that William Wayne Craig theology right there. Yeah, that's but it's not biblical it's theology. Not, no. It's humanistic no. theology. It's not God didn't predestine me based on anything that I would do. Paul just hammers that out there. Right. Yeah. It's not anything that I, I would or could do because I'm not even seeking God as a child of wrath. That's what Paul says in Romans 3. Yeah. That, that no one is even seeking after God. Right. So if I'm not even seeking after God and on my best day, I'm a glory stealing, uh, depraved, wretched sinner on my best day. And I'm a child of wrath and there is nothing spiritually alive in me. How am I going to choose him and him choose me based on the fact that I chose him? Because that's a work done in me. Not by works done by us. Come on, Bishop. But salvation is a work done in us. Yeah. And it's not a work from us. It's a work from him. Right. My, my, my. It's monergistic, right? Yeah. It has to be monergistic or it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Mono, when I say monergistic, that, that means the one work of, right. of God. Versus the, the, the synergistic. Tr- right. Which is God working with me. Yeah. God doesn't need my help. Right. In saving me. God, hold up. Nah, God nah, God doesn't need my help. God didn't choose me because he looked through the corridors of time and said, that little pinhead is going to choose me. I chose him boy, because he chose me. I can love him because he first loved me. And that Greek there in Ephesians, you can try to explain that away all you want to. And they say, well, the gift could be either faith or grace. And we know that grace is a gift, right? But when we try to put the emphasis of the gift on grace rather than faith, we get to claim faith. And here's what's interesting about that. Paul, when he's talking about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians and Romans, he says that faith, he's talking to the church and he says that faith is a spiritual gift. And, And even people in the free will camp would say, yes, that that God portions to certain people within the church an extra measure of faith to encourage and edify the body. Well, wait a minute. If I didn't need God to gift me faith in salvation, why would I need him to give me an extra portion of faith for edification in the body? Wouldn't that just come from me? Because if I, don't, if I, don't, if I can muster up enough faith in myself for salvation, can I muster up enough faith in myself to move a mountain? Can I not? 
Right? Why would I need faith as a spiritual gift if it came from me in the first place? So those two ideas to me just seem fundamentally opposed to one another. And it's just weird how people just try to reason because they just, in such a humanistic, narcissistic way, and I don't even know that they necessarily intend it to be that way. It's just the nature of who we are. Um, to say, yes, I, I did my part. I have my say. Rather than praising God for purposing to save you. So good. So, but anyway, so yeah, that's Ephesians 2, right? And that's not the only place that, that Paul talks about that. But Not at all. Not at all. Oh. But the fight with, with Luther against the church was the church had convinced themselves and were convincing others that you can pave your way to heaven through works, through the giving of alms, giving of the church, through through works of prayer and works of righteousness. And that's where that whole idea of sainthood came from within the Roman Catholic Church. And the idea of sainthood was your your good works are far outweighing your bad works. And if you do that enough, you can achieve sainthood. And then we'll pay patrons to pay patron to the saints and we'll pray to the saints and we'll do all these things. Well, scripture tells me that I'm a saint because of the work of Jesus, not the work of Chris. Right. Paul Come calls on, the church saints. He tells the pastor to equip the saints. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the body of the redeemed, the church. And we don't achieve sainthood because of anything done in us. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a saint because God saved me through the finished work of his son, Jesus. That's the only thing that achieves sainthood for anyone. Right. So I don't know. <clears throat> right. And in regards to, you know, like works and, and works based, based faith. You know, I want to read uh, Romans 4, 4 through 8, where it says, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Verse 5, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. I love that. Right? I love right? that. Right? Cook up, David. Just on, as David up. also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteous apart from works. This is what Jesus is saying here. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and those sins are whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. One, let's just pause there for a second and thank God that he doesn't count our sin, right? You better say that. <clears throat> Come on. And so in other words, in this passage here, we see that people that, trust Jesus for justification by faith alone, receive perfect righteousness due to them, right? This reckoned to them. Those who attempt to establish their own righteousness or mix faith with, with works, like we were talking about, only receive the wage that is due to falling short of perfection. Because we know that the, ent the entrance fee to heaven is perfection. That's what it's called to be. Mm -hmm. So, But we get that. We're clothed in perfection by Christ. That, that's the only way. Our Come works on, can't get us there. Well, you better cook. Come on. So, in other words, what he's saying there is if we try to have this works-based faith, we're just going to fall short of perfection like always because we can't do it without Christ. Well, mm -hmm. you preaching, bro. Don't drop a bomb and then sip your bourbon like that. Don't you drop Thank a bomb. You don't get to drop a bomb hey, look, and then take a sip. We got more receipts. Romans 10 verse 3 says, For being <laughs> ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. 
So we see this all throughout scripture and and when you read scripture and read it in context and the way it's supposed to be read, you can clearly see that we will naturally produce good works for sure because we're in our in our walk with Jesus. And when you love something, you spend time in doing stuff, right? Mm-hmm in that thing that you love. So if you love Jesus, you're going to naturally produce good works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but it's that, not, so I'm going to do works to gain favor with Jesus. I already have his favor. That's the beauty of the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Come on. That's the beauty of, of our religion versus other religions is we don't have to do anything. Psalms 46, God is our refuge. We have to <coughs> live in that and re- realize that he is where we find our rest and find our peace. We have a different sense of joy and peace as a Christian, and we need to show that more often. Ooh. Okay. That boy got time today. <laughs> that boy got time. Um, receipts in the uh, Westminster Confession of Faith. Question 70. What is justification? The answer, justification is an act of God's free grace upon sinners in which he pardons all of their sins, accepts and accounts their persons righteous in his sight, not for anything wrought in them or done by them, but only for the perfect obedience and full sanctification of Christ by God imputed to them and received by faith alone. Hang on one second. I want you, everyone that's listening, to sit on that word, those two words, free grace. Yeah. Because in in America today, and in, in even way back then, you work a job to gain a wage to buy something, whether it be a piece of gum, a bottle of bourbon, a cigar, a book, whatever it may be. You work a wage to, to get money to buy something. But if it's free, you don't have to work for it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you know, the Christian doesn't have to put their salvation on layaway. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey. Y'all remember layaway? Hey, they don't 30, know about layaway. Hey, hey, it ain't $30 a month. They, bro, they, you know they, what I'm saying? See, they, 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 they grow up how we grew up, bro. They don't know about layaway. <laughs> They don't know about layaway, hey, bro. Hey, they still some pawn shops out there that let you lay away guns. Bro, my mama, mom, bro, my mom used to go to Kmart for Christmas. Right. Lay away. Everything, bro. Lay away. Always be getting them good gifts, bro. And you had to, and you got to pay, you know, you got to pay it off. You know, but that's not how salvation works. No. And, you know, the beauty of Sola Fide is, um, is really the answer to Job's question. Uh, in Job chapter four, and you're going to love this. In Job chapter 4, verse 17, listen to what it says. Job begs the question, can mortal man be in the right before God? Can a man be pure before his maker? <clears throat> the answer to that question is sola fide. Right. That's exactly faith right. alone. Yeah. Ooh, that's, that's so exactly. good. And we're talking about that. I mean, obviously that faith is trusting and the finished work of Jesus, that Jesus is who he said he was and scripture claims him to be. And that your only hope before a holy, righteous God, your creator is to be found in him. And, and again, I think scripture is clear. Um, I don't don't think I know I would die on that hill that scripture is clear that that comes from God, that, that grace is a gift, but, the faith that it takes to believe in him is also a gift from him. 
Right. Because there is no room for boasting for the depraved sinner before a holy God. Um, because if you take that view of salvation here in, in this life, are you, are you really going to be that person that when your faith becomes sight and you, you meet Jesus in heaven, are you going to say, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me? Right? God, come yeah. on, bro. Because that's essentially what you're saying in this life. If that is my view of salvation, and it has been in my life, because that is the way that I was taught. Right. That's the way the gospel was presented to me. Right. Was that you are here because of you. You made the right decision. Let me applaud you. Right. Um, and, and, and now you are on this trajectory of religion more than relationship because now I've got to sustain that in and of myself. Come on. I'm not relying on grace upon grace. I'm not relying on God who began a good work in me is what Paul says in Philippians 1. Mm-hmm. It's God who began the work in me. God yeah. didn't. I didn't begin this work. Right. God began this work because he purposed to do so before time began. If my name was written in the Lamb Book of Life before the foundation of the world, which is what the Apostle John says in the book of Revelation, right? God gets what he wants. Yep. And he wanted me and he got me. Yep. And I wouldn't be in right relationship with him were it not for his purpose to save me before he ever said, let there be light. Right. And and I wanna I wanna go into that part of you were talking about being saved, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I just want to talk about real quick what, what we, we talked about before and what we talk about all the time, but Paul and the jailer. When mm-hmm. Paul and Silas were in jail, mm-hmm. they were one, they my my men were singing hymns, bro, and yeah. worshiping Jesus mm-hmm. in prison. Mm-hmm. And then the earth shook and the earthquake happened, all the all the, the gates opened to the jail cells. And the jailer was like, yo, dog, I'm going to die anyway, so I'm just going to kill myself. And Paul, ho- Paul ho- hollers out to him and says, hey, wait, hold on, come yeah, here. Yeah, we're still here, yeah. And he runs over to him and hits his knees and he says, what was what must be due to, we, to be saved? Mm-hmm. And Paul says to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved, you and your household, household Acts yeah. 16.31. Mm-hmm. And on, that man. is so good mm-hmm. to, to see that. And, and you see... Again, in John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he passed from death to life. Mm-hmm. We, we we have so many receipts of, of Jesus talking, mm-hmm. saying, just believe in me mm-hmm. and you will have eternal life. Right. Yeah. I mean, even the most, again, John three sixteen, right? But again, uh-huh. I think the, the the where the error comes in is where the belief and the faith comes from. Right. That's where we 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 miss the mark in in our view uh, of salvation, and and you know again, uh, you you could if you reduce that down to its logical conclusion, I'm at the center of my worship ultimately, um, <clears throat> because I can That's I can crazy. I can pay lip service to God who threw me a life preserver, but the I have to rejoice in the fact that that I did my part. Like, yeah. That I grabbed it. Well right. and then not and if you follow that logical conclusion, mm-hmm. if I had to work to earn it, I have to work to keep, to keep it, it. Right. Work to, to sustain it. Right. Right. So if I if if you leave room in your soteriology 
for you to be able to take any ounce of credit, mm-hmm. then you have to bear the weight of persevering yourself. Well, correct. And d- just to be quite honest, that's why there's so many uh, sanctimonious, judgmental Christians in the world. And they think they're getting it right. Because they are... Pharisaical. They're, they're extremely pharisaical in, in their walk because they're, they think that all this started with them. Mm-hmm. And me doing my part. So in order for me to do my part in the initiation of salvation, I have to do my part in the continuation of my salvation, which is going to create in me a very pharisaical tendency to a works-based righteousness. That, How exhausting that much. That be. has a 100% chance of running out, and it and will. It will run oh, out. Yeah. But in the meantime, it's going to have a 100% chance of me being a sanctimonious, religious, self-righteous a-hole. Yep. Right. Because I'm going to be very condemning and self-righteous and judgmental because... Again, I don't understand how anyone can read the pages of Scripture and truly understand the work of salvation in their heart and and have any sort of self-righteousness. And, you know, that, I mean, and, and Devin can attest to this. I know you can't because you stay away from TikTok. Probably good that you do. <laughs> right. But you, a, a lot of the, a lot of Christian TikTok, what you see and a lot of what you see on the Internet and these spaces. I they, see it enough on Instagram and Facebook. That's why. Well, I'm they are, they, 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 when they talk about salvation and mm-hmm. when they when they're trying to quote unquote evangelize you know do evangelism on the internet they have this posture of like you know they're t- they're telling people you need to re- you need to you need to repent you need mm-hmm. to turn away from your sins and you need to come to Christ I'm like bro mm-hmm. a dead person has does not have they that can't ability do that. Uh, literally someone who loves their sin mm-hmm. Has no desire to want to right. do that, and I think that I mean the, there there is a room to preach repentance for sure. But, oh yeah, you sure. know, convincing someone. But the unbeliever doesn't. You don't right. preach you, repentance to an unbeliever. Right. There's a difference <laughs> between the call of man and the call of God. The call of God is effectual and very specific by name, and the call of man has to be very general. But I think that you know, because Peter even uh, preaching at Pentecost and Acts at Solomon's portico and everything, he did say to repent. You know. Th- Faith produces repentance, but faith comes before that. Yeah, I, right. I mean, I think you that gotta that's, have that's, that's yes. kind of so whole re- picture. The of, regeneration precedes that, right? And uh, but again, you know, that that's the general call of man that I that I don't necessarily have a total problem with, outside of you know it, it not being in in a judgmental, self righteous way. Well, you know what I mean? If you're when gonna you, if you're gonna call people to repent on the internet. Then you have to, you, you need to present to them the Correct. way. Sure, right. of course, of yeah, course, telling yeah. them to, to repent, yeah, and not <clears throat> telling them believe in Jesus, you know, <laughs> and, and things like that. Because and, and if I've got uh, several quotes from this book, that I'm ready I'm gonna, to hear them. Um, right. This this is a book. Uh, it's called "In My Place Condemned." He stood, and it's a book about uh, the subtitle was "Celebrating the Glory of the Atonement," and <clears throat> it's co-authored by J.I. Packer and Mark Dever and. I've, I've read this book a couple of times and I've referenced back to it several times, but in I've heard partic- that name a lot. In this particular <laughs> passage uh, or this uh, chapter, uh, they're talking about the way the gospel gets presented uh, in, in our culture, what they call the, uh, a new gospel or um, new evangelism type deal. And so he says, we said earlier that modern evangelicalism by and large has ceased to preach the gospel in the old way. 
and we frankly admit that the new gospel, insofar as it deviates from the old, seems to us a distortion of the biblical message. And we can now see what has gone wrong. Our theological currency has been debased. Our minds have been conditioned to think of the cross as a redemption that does less than redeem, and of Christ as a savior who does less than save, and of God's love as a weak affection that cannot keep anyone from hell without help, and of faith as the human help that God needs for this purpose. So what they're saying is that the way the gospel gets presented is God needs my help to save me. Right. That's Ooh. crazy. As a result, we are no longer free either to believe the biblical gospel or to preach it. We cannot believe it because our thoughts are caught up in the toils of synergism. We are haunted by the Armenian idea that if faith and unbelief are to be responsible acts, they must be independent acts. Hence, we are not free to believe that we are saved entirely by divine grace through a faith that it is itself God's gift and flows to us from Calvary. Instead, we involve ourselves in a bewildering kind of doublethink about salvation, telling ourselves one moment that it all depends on God and the next moment that it all depends on us. And when we come to preach the gospel, our false preconceptions make us say just the opposite of what we intend. We want rightly to proclaim Christ as Savior, yet we end up saying that Christ, having made salvation possible, has left us to become our own saviors. It comes about in this way. We want to magnify the saving grace of God and the saving power of Christ. So we declare that God's redeeming love extends to everyone and that Christ has died to save every man. And we proclaim that the glory of divine mercy is to be measured by these facts. And then, in order to avoid universalism, we have to depreciate all that we, have, we were previously extolling and to explain that, after all, nothing that God and Christ have done can save us unless we add something to it. The, deci the decisive factor that actually saves us is our own believing. Mm. Um, they ain't done. Boy. We have flattered impenitent sinners by assuring them that it is in their power to repent and believe, though God cannot make them do it. Perhaps we have also trivialized faith and repentance in order to make this assurance plausible. It's very simple. Just open your heart to the Lord. Certainly we have effectively denied God's sovereignty and undermined the basic conviction of true religion that man is always in God's hands. In truth, we have lost a great deal, and it is perhaps no wonder that our preaching begets so little reverence and humility and that our professed converts are so self-confident and so deficient in self-knowledge and in the good works of that scripture regards as the fruit of true repentance. Mm. Yeah, I need to buy that book. Yeah, I got to um, cop that book. They I got to cop that joint. So, a couple more paragraphs and we're done. We can chop it up about that. <clears throat> we saw before that the new gospel, by asserting universal redemption and a universal divine saving purpose, compels itself to cheapen grace and the cross by denying that the Father and the Son are sovereign in salvation. It's free. It can't get more cheap than that. For it assures us that after God and Christ have done all they can or will, it depends finally on each man's own choice whether, whether God's purpose to save them is realized or not. This position has two unhappy results. The first is that it compels us to misunderstand the significance of the gracious invitations of Christ in the gospel of which we have been speaking. 
For we now have to read them not as expressions of the tender patience of a mighty sovereign, but as the pathetic pleadings of impotent desire. Oh and so the enthroned God. Lord is suddenly God. metamorphosed into a weak, futile figure tapping forlornly at the door of the human heart, which he is powerless to open. This is a shameful dishonor to the Christ of the New Testament. Boy. The second implication is equally serious, for this view, in effect, denies our dependence on God when it comes to vital decisions, takes us out of his hands, tells us we are, after all, what sin taught us to think we were, masters of our fate, captains of our souls and so undermines the very foundation of man's religious relationship with his maker. It can hardly be wondered at that the converts of the new gospel are so often both irreverent and irreligious, for such is the natural tendency of this teaching. Yo! That was that, that was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> yo! Nah, yo. That, nah, yo. If you, so, like, just... I mean, if you I'm about were, to put that joint in my nah, Amazon cart like, right now. Like, if you were to read that passage mm-hmm. by yourself, mm-hmm. you would be weeping right now at the thought of how what, what you're doing mm-hmm. in works based faith. Mm-hmm. It does is belittling God. You. It is. It, 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 imagine portraying Jesus not as a sovereign Lord. But as the futile tapping, tappings of of impotent desire, that right there, like Jesus needs me to open the door for him. Yeah, Jesus. because he's not able to. He's powerless. When to Jesus do that. met Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road, he didn't say, "Hey, Saul, buddy, please, <laughs> buddy, hey, buddy. <laughs> listen, would you please open your heart to me?" Right. Well, man, so that I may bro. enter, I need you to open yeah. the door. <laughs> I think the sovereign Lord of the universe kicked it in. Yeah, bro. He literally blinded my man. <laughs> he went, King Leonidas, this is Sparta. I am Jesus. I am King Jesus. And you are mine. Yeah. That's what he did. And, and I want to. And that's what he did with me. I want to. Facts. Me too. Hey, man. Bro. And I want to. I want to go. Some things from TikTok are, are cool Thank to you see. Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Some Thank things you, some things on TikTok are, are cool. So I, I seen a TikTok recently. Um, and this just kind of proves this point. So there was this guy that was a former member of the ISIS. My man was literally a modern day Paul. He was like beheading Christians, like killing Christians. Oh, yes. Right? Saul of Tarsus was a religious terrorist yeah. before his conversion to Jesus. So so he was he was doing By these faith. things. You know, but go ahead. Right, right, right. <laughs> but he was doing these things, and he was he he was literally killing Christians, modern day Paul. And he goes on to an interview, and they're talking to him about like what he believes and stuff. And and he's he's weeping. You know, <coughs> by the way, but my man is weeping, and he's saying that you know, um, you know, I believe in Allah, or I, I used to believe in Allah, and mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, but. One day I felt a tap on my shoulder, and he was like, "Who who is this? Who are you?" Mm-hmm. And the person says, "I am the way, the light, and the truth." Mm-hmm. And he was like, I, "I've never heard that before." Mm-hmm. And the reason yeah, for this, Korea. the reason for this, why he was why he was getting so messed up was because in the Quran, in in what they believe, forgiveness is only given at the end of your life. 
when you die and you go before judgment, Scary. that's when forgiveness is given. You're not if forgiven. You're five right, you're what afraid. a restless right. life. So you have to continuously work for good. That's why they're killing cats. So he said the reason that I, I started weeping and wondered who this was was because for some reason I instantly felt forgiveness. And I instantly felt like I was already forgave for what I've done and what I will do. And he continues to weep and he hits his knees and he says, who are you? And he's talking about Jesus. And he was, you know, that's that's the whole thing is that Jesus didn't come to my man and was like, hey, you know, yeah. let me in. Open that up. You know, I know me. what you believe in, yeah. you know, but I want to try to show you. No, man. Like Jesus literally kicked the door in and mm-hmm. was like, let me show you what forgiveness is. Let me show you who I am. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And how can you expect to give something in regards to sanctific in, in regards to salvation, in regards to justification, any of that? How how can you expect to give anything to that when your name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world? That means that you haven't you don't even have the ability to do anything yet. But he already knew that you were his. God is omniscient. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he's got to look through any kind of time portal or nothing like that because he's omniscient. He already knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he determined right. it to happen. He, exactly. Yeah, because again, you <clears throat> when you when you think that you bring, you know, faith comes from self and in some sort of work in you. It it is obviously it's an erroneous view of salvation, but it it right. just creates a false sense of. Security, hope, worship, um, and uh, just a misrepresentation of the true gospel, um, and that's what Dever and Packer were talking about. Because you, when you think about the church that in book America, is crazy. when you think about the church in America, you know <clears throat> there are so many people who are irreverent yeah. and, and just somewhat um, they're more dogmatic about self than than they are about Christ. And the work yeah. of God in their life that God, God determined to save me. Yeah. Like that's the true gift of grace. Like that's what Paul talks about in Titus mm-hmm. and Ephesians. And there, you know, there wasn't anyone who he thought he had everything figured out. Paul did. And that moment when he when he met the resurrected Jesus, he understood how weak he was. And in your weakness, I will make you strong. Hey, um, <clears throat> I, I know this is completely out of pocket, but I just I feel led to do this. Can we can we just take a quick second and just pray for the people in Israel? Sure. Um, you know, as you as you were talking about the gentleman that you spoke on, it just made me think about what's going on right now in Israel, mm-hmm. um, which is a picture of total depravity. Um, and just the war that we see happening right now in uh, Israel. Yeah, I just want to take a quick second to can we just pray sure. for them? Yeah, um, if y'all don't mind. Yeah, for sure. God, we come to you in prayer, Lord. Uh, we just want to pray for our uh, what for the people in Israel right now that are going through what they're going through. <coughs> we want to pray for um, the people who are. Uh, victims to these uh, egregious attacks uh, that they would know Jesus. And then we also want to pray for those who are doing the attacks. 
we want to pray, Lord, that you would save them, that you would kick the doors of their heart down, and that by your sheer grace and your love, that you would just wreck their hearts and save them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry, I just felt like we needed to do that. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Did we read Titus 3 yet? No. Nope. We have not read Titus 3. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done in us by righteousness. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Mm. Like, how can I read that and think, I did this? Or that God needed my help to save me. <clears throat> yeah. That he put the ball in my court. You know, and again, it does, it does just perpetuate a humanistic idea of religion salvation that that i'm not in god's hands that this is all up to me like that that view of the gospel is convincing me that i am what sin convinced me that i am right i love how he put that which is captain of my soul and i'm in control and that's like, that's crazy if if i was captain of my soul then i man It'd well, I would crazy. agree with Augustine, the early church father, who said, "If, if, if it were not for God and grace, if God were to remove His hand from me, I would be nothing but the captain of my own self-destruction." Right. Exactly. There is no hope Amen. there. There. No. So, so it's all grace, and and we'll get to that one uh, by in in sola gratia. Sola gratia. But we'll you know right and it, it all they all that episode's work gonna be crazy, and they all work together and they build on one I'm another. I'm gonna cry. And, and again, you know, I went to, I was not raised in this theological camp. Oh, yeah, me neither. Um, I wasn't either. I remember reading books like this and reading passages of Scripture and studying and parsing Greek verbs and listening to lectures. And, and I was doing this, driving down the road, sitting in the office in bed at night, early in the morning, and because I, I was wrestling with this idea because I wanted to make sure that – if I'm going to be faithful to the word of God and, and have a true understanding of God and self and salvation and worship and, and, and evangelism and everything else, I, I feel like I need to get this right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, agree. Know, yeah. I agree. Because I can get most of the, the, the picture of Jesus, right. And the virgin birth and the exclusivity of Jesus and the authority of God's word and everything else. But then I can start twisting everything. And I want to make sure that I get the whole counsel of God, right. So that I can properly teach and preach the whole counsel of God to people because God has entrusted me to care for their souls. Right. Yeah, As just, a shepherd. And, I mean, that's what you're called and, to do. And, you know, you really set me up for the alley-oop and I appreciate that because, you know, again, dunk on them. Pastor Pastor Appreciation Month, and you know, I'm thankful. You you set it up. I'm I'm thankful that I think me and Michael would agree that we are thankful for your heart in that. That you are not gonna you don't get behind the pulpit on Sunday mornings and say what we want you to say, Mm -hmm. but you are faithful to the text Mm -hmm. scripture. Well, and again, God beat me up on a lot of different in a lot of different ways and, and, but in a loving, gracious, fatherly way, like, you know, I went t- towards this theological camp 
reluctantly. But then, but again, if we're going to wear jerseys, we can wear jerseys. I just wear the Bible jersey, you know, and right. the Jesus jersey. And, and Jesus is not a weak, futile Savior tapping forlornly on the human heart of anyone. He He's the eternal Son of God who took part in creation. Yeah, he's, he's the center the of creation. He's the center of salvation. He's the center of redemption. Yeah. He's the center of worship. He's the center of consummation. In the end, he is the center, and he doesn't need my help. Yeah, I mean, he... <laughs> I wanna, I wanna say that as well. So I wasn't on the Sola Scriptura podcast when you guys started with the Pastor Appreciation Month. So I wanted to give my piece real quick. Um, you know, kind of towards the end of the episode, just thanking you for what you've done um, in my life and in my wife's life. Um, my bride, Carly, man, like we we came into this church and we were met with nothing but open arms. Um, I was actually, it's crazy because like I was there when Karis was talked about. Mm-hmm. Before it was a thing, I was I was at Outman. We all, me, Shatorio, and Chris met at Outman when we talked about this. So I, mean, I was an original, you know, there, but, Whenever they actually started the church, it was, you know, me and me and Carla were going through a season and we just weren't really weren't really into church like that. And but I tell y'all, man, like ever since I've been there for three years now, four, something like that. I don't know. It's been a long time. But, um, you know, ever since I've been there, man, you you and Shatorio really exposed me and Carly to expository sermons and expository preaching and going verse by verse through books of the Bible and if you ask anyone that has ever known me that they can tell a difference in how I act because like I have always been the person that I'm never going to go to college. Right. But I'm literally applying to college about to go to college for ministry leadership and biblical studies right now because awesome. like I want to be a pastor God. now, God, you know, bro. like I'm trying to all be a pastor. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, like we're all y'all. doing That's this. Well, it's a product. Like it's a product right of your leadership, brother. Yeah. Like it's I'm, I'm over Lord. here wanting to be a pastor now and, and diving deep into theology and, and Jesus. And it's just crazy because God has worked so much in your life to shine on other people and really, really like get into their hearts and really let, let the Holy spirit grip their soul. Like It's been it's been crazy, you know, over the past couple of days. I've texted you about it, I've texted Tori about it, but the, the Holy Spirit has been like I've never felt this kind of gripping from the Holy Spirit before. Like I can physically feel everything in me just being held by God. Mm-hmm. And like every time I, I the other day I was just thinking about how much God loves me mm-hmm. and I weeped in my truck. Like I had to take a break for a second. That's because awesome. I because that. I was just I've been there. I, dude, I called Carly and I was like I, I called Carly and I, she answered. She's like, oh, my God, babe, what's wrong? And I was like, God just loves me so much. I was like, I can't. Don't I can't ever handle get over it. that, man. Dude, like, I, I, I texted Chris and I was like, yo, dude, like, is it okay to be overwhelmed by God's love? Like, I'm so overwhelmed right now. And But this is all, like, I want to, of, of course, this is all Jesus. But I want I want to to thank you for... You being faithful to the Bible and you being a, a faithful shepherd, as you were called to be, and being faithful to Scripture like you are, because everything that is happening in my life has 
been directly influenced by what you've done in my life and what Jess has done in my life and what Karis Church has done in my life. Like I could never thank you enough. Like there's no words to describe the love that I have for you and Karis Church and Jess and Shatorio and Michael and everybody at the church, man. Like it's been crazy. You you guys have completely transformed my life. And Carly can attest to that too. I could get her on here and she'd probably cry the whole time talking about how much she loves you. So I just I just wanted to say my piece. I didn't get to say that last time, but I'm I'm eternally grateful for what you honored. You guys are way more of a blessing to me. Um, And I just you know it's all the work of the Lord. And uh, God gripped my heart a long time ago, and uh, I had my own battles and my own struggles. And you know, God just was really really gracious to settle some things in my soul. And thank God for that. And uh, he gets all the glory for that because, you know, we were discussing earlier that, you know, some of the dangers of study and, you know, being scholarly and things like that and studying the scriptures and reading and knowledge has a tendency to puff you up. And, um, but I, the more that I wrestled and the more that I study and there's, there's, a, there's some things I have to get right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and that is that's a passion because I know how the Lord worked in my own heart and gripped my soul. And, you 100%. know, that, that is my prayer. And, and I prayed for for men that God would grip their hearts and that their passion would line up with his passion for them. And, and you, we're I seeing that. that play out in, in, the, in, in, in you and Michael and Shatorio and others. And, you know, um, I'm seeing that in, in your wives and I'm seeing it in, in, in Jess and I'm seeing it in our church and that I've, I've never been one that was ever out for numbers or, you know, or anything like that. I just, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to be faithful to, to God's call in my life. And, and that is his call for me. I, he gave me right. like two gifts. And so I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm just going to try to use those gifts to, to glorify him and to Lifting edify others. And, and teaching. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. But, you know, again, I just, you know, the, the lifting weights is so I don't choke people, I guess. I don't know, but um, it, it, it helps me keep my sanity. But, um, you know, I, I love to just watch the, the word of God by the, the, the same spirit that inspired those words lives in you. Mm-hmm. And that is how he stirs our affection for Jesus. Yeah. It, it's we worship in spirit and truth and we got to get truth right. We have to get I have to doctrine right, right. because yeah. we're if we're not, we're worshiping in, in erroneous ways. And Sunday is a celebration of Jesus. And when we when we open the Bible, it's a celebration of Jesus, and it's mm, it's a celebration of God's love and affection for us, and we get to reflect that back to Him, and we get to experience that with one another, uh, not just on Sundays, but here and throughout the week when we're locking arms, and I just love seeing the the God that gripped my heart, gripping the hearts of other men mm-hmm. and just really just growing them and in, in grace and knowledge. And, and really just because, and I've said this before, when you impact men, you impact generations and you guys That's are right. going to impact generations and you're going to impact others that I'll never be able to impact. And, you know, God used other faithful, loving men to impact me. And he's just such, such a loving, good father. And he's so faithful. And, um, I do rest 
and and the fact and the promise of scripture that God began a good work in us yeah. and he's faithful to bring it to completion at the mm-hmm. day of Christ and and we have long days and we have long seasons and we have tough moments and we get tripped up by sin and we get tripped up by uh adversaries and people coming at us and attacking us for for a host of reasons this being one of them right and <clears throat> and on and on and on the list goes and we have the flesh and 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 we need each other and I need you guys as much as you need me, and yeah. and so I'm, I'm I'm honored just to be a part of your grace journey, and and that God has been able to to use the the teaching and preaching of His Word to just stir your hearts and the way that you love your wives and you know that you love your families and love your church and love people. I'm just grateful to get to be a small part of that. So yeah, I mean, you know, when we talk about just you know uh, justification by faith alone, it really brought me to Psalms eight. Psalms 8, chapter 4, where the psalmist says, Who is man that you are mindful of him? Mm-hmm. That's literally what he says. Psalms 8, 4. Who but I'm is, so awesome. Why wouldn't God be mindful right, of like, him? Right. Like, who is man that you are mindful of <laughs> right. him? Like, who are, like, like, who do you think you are? Right. Like, you know, like, who, Go Driscoll on him, bro. Yeah, I mean, like, who do you think you are? You know, and so, what really took me on this journey six, seven years ago to reform theology. It's just really, I wanted to hammer down this saving faith. Can I lose this thing? Mm -hmm. And that's what really brought me to this. Mm -hmm. I needed to know, am I secure in Christ? Mm -hmm. And so, and thank God we are. And once, once the Holy spirit opened my eyes up to this, I saw it everywhere. Yeah. Once I was exposed to Reformed theology and just, you know, justification by faith, I saw it everywhere. Yeah. I couldn't unsee it. My brain, literally, like my brain psychologically can't unsee it. I just cannot unsee it. You don't need to unsee it. It is the biblical picture of God. It's the biblical picture of sin and and depravity. It's the biblical picture of faith and salvation and... Um, it's just so heartbreaking, man, to know that there's Christians out there that think they can lose it. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was cooking dinner tonight, listening to a sermon by Dr. Eric Mason on taking God serious. And he was talking about, um, you know, salvation. And, you know, one of the things he said was, uh, you know, in terms of salvation, if you're dead in your trespasses and sin and God makes you alive, you can't unalive yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't That's lose good. that. So, you know, saving faith will persevere. Mm-hmm. And he made the point that one of the, one of the marks of saving faith is that you persevere mm-hmm. through the worst of trials, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll, we'll touch perseverance of the saints right. when we go through our Calvinist series when we go through the five points, but you know, mm. if I'm justified by faith alone, mm-hmm. that faith will be sustained by Christ. Right. And that faith will stand in whatever trial hits. Mm-hmm. Right. And so one of the, you know, the mark of a Christian is, being able to withstand some of the hardest trials. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so often we see Christians, you know, or people who would consider themselves a Christian, life hits the fan and they walk away. Mm-hmm. They walk away. That's when you need Jesus the most. You know, they walk away from the faith and the side note, this is for free. You can always trace back a walk away from the faith, a walk away from the church. Right. They, you can, they're inseparable. Nine yep. times out of ten, the person that quote unquote walked away from the faith, it started by them walking away from the church. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so if you are justified by faith alone, you can't do anything to undo that. Right. It brings me to a quote by John Flavel. Um, John Flavel, he says, I want you all to listen to this. He says, how dangerous is it to join anything of our own to the righteousness of Christ Mm. in pursuit of justification before God? Mm. Jesus Christ will never endure this. It reflects upon his work dishonorably. He will be all or none in our justification. If he has finished the work, what need is there of our additions? Right. And if not, to what purpose are they? Can we finish that which Christ himself could not complete? Oof. I need y'all to hear that. Yeah. I got to run that back because I need y'all to hear that. To tell us that. Can we finish that which Christ himself could not complete? Mm. Did he finish? That's audacity right there. Yeah. He goes, John Flaffo goes on to say, did he finish the work and will he ever divide the glory and praise of it with us? He goes on to say, no, no. Listen to this. Bullwinkle will say, "Hell no!" <laughs> to the to no, the no, no, no. no. <laughs> Hell no. Flavel oh, goes. Flavel goes on to say. So he says, "Did he finish the work, and will he ever divide the glory and praise of it with us?" No, no. Listen to this. Christ is no half savior. Right. <laughs> He's a whole one. It is a hard thing to bring proud hearts to rest upon Christ for righteousness. God humbles the proud by calling sinners holy from their own righteousness to Christ for their justification. That's so good. Aren't you guys glad we don't have a half savior? Right. Amen. Amen. If Christ can't do all of the work, what makes us think we can do any? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. The uh, the last thing that I want to say <clears throat> in regards to Sola Fide, I want to take us through just real quick uh, Luke 23, verse 43, the man on the middle cross. Um, Alistair Begg goes through it. And um, this is just such a amazing look on Sola Fide and faith alone because if you guys know about Luke 23, it, it kind of goes through the thief on the cross. So um, Jesus was on the middle cross, and there was two thieves to his left and right that were also crucified where Jesus was crucified. And these two men were making fun of him and mocking yeah. him on the cross. Mm-hmm. 
but one of them gets saved mm-hmm. there before he dies. And he says to Jesus, what must I do to be with you? Please remember me in, remember in paradise, me. right? Yeah. Remember me. And in Luke 23, verse 43, this is this is like such a good example of sola fide. Jesus says, and he said to him, truly I say to you, Jesus is saying this, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Mm-hmm. This is such a beautiful representation of sola fide because this thief on the cross was mocking Jesus minutes before this happened, right? Mm-hmm. And this man didn't know biblical hermeneutics. He didn't. He didn't know soteriology. He didn't know all these big words. Preach he didn't brother. know anything about Jesus uh-huh. like that. He didn't go to church. He didn't tithe. Mama. He didn't give out candy to 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 homeless people. He didn't do whatever he could do, you know, to 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 prove his good works and to earn his way into heaven. He did none of that. He lived a sinner's life his entire life. Legalists hate the thief on the cross. But because yeah. he Church believed in Jesus with all his heart, mind, and soul, and because he had faith in Christ, uh-huh. which God sent, mm-hmm. God in the flesh, Jesus, because he believed in him and had faith in him, Jesus said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Mm-hmm. That is one of the biggest pieces of, of biblical scripture that we see that we can tell that it's faith alone sola fide amen yeah and that faith didn't come from him nope absolutely not he was mocking him beforehand so you think that this man was just mocking him and then was like you know what all of a sudden cleaned his yeah cleaned it no he was worked up some righteousness he was he was gripped by the power of the holy spirit amen he was in the presence of king jesus Exactly. Who kicked his the door of his heart down. Mm-hmm. Yep. And because of that faith that Jesus gave him, he was able to be with him in paradise. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Jesus is both lion. Jesus is both lion and lamb. He is a lion in how he grabs us out of our sin, mm-hmm. and he is a lamb in how he deals with his children who are sinners. Mm-hmm. Amen to that, bro. Yeah. God gets the glory. We'll get to that one. Soli Deo glory. I'm ready for that one. um, Yeah, faith doesn't come from us. Nope. It is not synergistic of God saving us depending on any type of work that we might do to to gain his favor. Um, He he purposed to save us in Christ Jesus, his son. And um, uh, faith alone. Soli Fide. You got anything else, Shatorio? Oh man, um, you know, Christ, you know, he, he saved us, man. Um, there was nothing in me when I wasn't a Christian that wanted Christ. Right. Uh, we love, sin, I was man. enjoying my sin. I heard a pastor once say, if you, if you ain't enjoying your sin, you ain't sinning right. Right. <laughs> um, there, there, there was nothing in me that desired Christ. He had to kick the door of my sinful heart down. Mm-hmm. Bust that Amen. mug wide open and yank me up out of my sin. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for it. Amen. Sola fide, man, in faith alone. That is our outtake on that and and, and how we um, see that with a biblical 
pastoral reformed perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's how we kind of that, that's that's what we see in in scripture in in, in what it revolves around sola fide um, and faith alone. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning into the episode today and hanging out with us, um, talking about sola fide and faith alone. Stay tuned for the five solas. We got three more to do. Um, we are super excited. I'm really, really excited for the Sola de Gloria one. Um, I intend to drink bourbon to the glory of God and smoke a cigar that day. For sure. Like always. Yes, <laughs> and we do that every single time we do the podcast. That's why we do this. That's why we smoke cigars and drink bourbon is because we do this to the glory of God. Um, but yeah, man, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We had a blast recording this episode today. Always, because it's always so good to have fellowships with our brothers um, in Christ. Just talk about Jesus, man, because Jesus is such a good topic, right? <laughs> Yeah, thank you guys again. You can check us out on all the social media platforms. Um, Come give us a holler. Come talk to us. Come ask us questions. And uh, we will catch y'all on the next one, man. As always, keep drinking bourbon, keep smoking cigars, and keep reading your Bibles. We'll catch y'all on the next one, baby. Peace. Peace.